doing today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So you got a you got an amazing story. Um and 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 for you viewers, I'm gonna post some links to uh, articles about this story because we obviously can't get into all the details of this interview right in the description of this episode. But let's start by by you just starting from the top. Uh what's your story? Okay. Thank you for having me. Um my name is Jose Pereira. I'm a Venezuelan born, but I m was made a US citizen. Mm. Mm -hmm. like uh, 15 years ago yeah. uh, that I came here to the U.S. Uh, I have been, during 35 years, was an oil and gas executive mm -hmm. working in the oil and gas industry, basically in the in the Venezuelan oil and gas. And then I was assigned here to the U.S., as I said, like 15 years ago. And I began my career here in, in a multinational uh, here in the U.S. And at the end uh, of my career in 2017, I was the CEO of, of that company. Uh, I was called for a last-minute me meeting in Caracas, Caracas, Venezuela. And that meeting that was supposed to be a back-and-forward one-day meeting resulted to being a, something that it was a settlement, and we, that settlement was five years. that We stayed five years in jail. So that, that, that's, that's like a, the, the point of the iceberg of, of my story. Yeah. So how I began all my journey. Yeah, five years in jail. Five years in jail, my friend. Yes. Wow. And so, how how did how did that happen? Well, you know, uh, today I'm I'm really aware about the situation. And by the way, today I'm talking very loudly about this case because this is something that that is uh, known as hostage diplomacy. Mm, okay. So what what it is that if a country is having some problem with another country, what they do is that. They take citizens of that country, yeah. and they, and they use it as political pawns yeah. and bargain chips. And, and and to tell you the truth, we were not aware about uh, uh, at that time. There was having issues between the U.S. and Venezuela, yeah. But we we never thought that they could affect it because that right. was high high politics, right? No? So so when we when when this situation happened to us, at the beginning we really thought that it was a mistake. There's something yeah. that we could clarify, but. Yeah. No, no, my friend. We you get caught in the middle of the high politics between two countries, and and it became to be yeah. really, really nasty. Yeah. So let me get this straight. So you telling me you were a, an executive for an oil company, right? And so you were traveling doing your thing as an executive. It sounded like it was a normal routine, but you were uh, you were in Venezuela for this assignment, right? Fully expecting yeah. to come home. And so you no, mean, yeah. and so you mean, it, it tell me you were on your in your office or or whatever station you were in, and all of a sudden you get arrested and you are now a prisoner. Let me tell you how it happened. I was in a movie with my wife, in a Saturday movie with my wife. Wow! I received a call and said, "Hey, you have to come tomorrow to Caracas." And I and by the way, I flew with the other five guys. Yeah, yeah. My top, my top executive. We were six. And we were supposed to go and come back on, on Tuesday. So go in, on Sunday, yeah. stay Monday, and come back on Tuesday. And to, to tell the truth, I did it very normally. And I didn't see no problem because it was November, was budget season, was a budget meeting. For me, it was normal core wow. business. Wow. So 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 the problem was that when, when we were there, they appeared these guys uh, with dressing like Robocops. Wow. And it was the counterintelligence military, police, and, and they put us a lot of charges. 
something ridiculous, the, the bizarre. The charge they, they put charge that we were uh, spies, uh, treason, embezzlement, a lot of things that we, we could have stayed there maybe 20 or 30 years. Wow. So uh, at some point, the situation be, be, began to be worse because at some point the, the U.S. ambassador was expelled. Was expelled as, as of today. Today there is no ambassador in Venezuela. Of the US. Still no ambassador to Venezuela. Today, today there is no ambassador. Today, today there is no ambassador. So the situation was really bad. And at some point we felt that we were really left behind. And, wow. and that, that was the start of our journey. So you mean, so so you get arrested with all these charges. You don't know why. You just get right. And then in your head you think, all right, somebody from the U.S. is going to get this all worked out. But then we don't even have an ambassador to Venezuela. So you're in prison, right? Yes. And it's five years. Like, I mean, I get. I wish I had time to dive into this more because first I want to know, like, what was going through your mind when you was in jail during that five-year period? It went through several phases because the first phase was really dark. We stayed yeah. like 10, 10 months totally incommunicated. We didn't know what was going on. And after 10 months, we began to have like one-minute calls. And, and the situation was so extreme to us that all of us lost a lot of weight. I'm talking about 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds each. Wow. So uh, there was a commission of the UN that came to, to visit us, and they saw us in really bad condition, and they began to say to the Venezuelan government, hey, these guys are going to die. You have to put some diet to this guy. So they allowed us to have food. You know, our family began to provide food. By the way, our families all was here in the U.S. We didn't have nobody in Venezuela. So they managed to find somebody. It was a disaster, the logistic. Yeah. They had to manage somebody to provide the food there. Yeah. But when I began to receive the food, I could smuggle some letters with my wife because I was incommunicated. So I took the risk and began to write to her, and she began to write to me. And we began communicating writing writing back and forward and let me tell you that 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 kind of became my memoir and, and yeah. that's what i used to write my book five my book years. is based on those letters five yeah. years man it's based on those letters. and and well i mean wow like we're we're um i i could only imagine what was going through your head to be arrested don't even know why you didn't learn these details in terms of until later on um just doing your thing, doing your job. And then, and then it's five years. Um, I can only imagine what was going through your head through those, through those time periods. And, 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 and it's not, and you said that writing letters to your wife sounds like that was what kept you together. Yes. That, that definitely was the, yeah. uh, the starting of, of knowing the first thing that we knew that our family was working hard. Yeah. Uh, the first year, as, as I said, there was no ambassador, and there was yeah. like a, like, we were like in a twilight zone. We didn't know what was going on. Right. So our family decided to begin to go to the press. So one year after, ah. our, our family went really, really hard to the press. All the six families, because yes. we were six. Yes, yeah. And, and that is where it came the name. that they, they put us like a brand. We, we became the Sitgo Six. Yeah. Okay? So they, 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 I, don't, I don't know yeah. who put that 
the name back. But the, the, there was all over the pressure case, and, and yeah. it began to make a lot of pressure to the U.S. government. Yeah. At some point, that made also pressure to the Venezuelan government because they begin to relax, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, 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 the situation there. And they begin to allow us to have books and some kind of stuff. Yeah. I began to read. I began to read. So reading yeah. for me was really uh, something. Yeah. I spent all the day reading. I read like 300 books. So um, at some point, there, there is a book that, that came to my hands that, wow, that book was like a kind of life changer. There is a guy that he was a survivor in the concentration camps in, in mm -hmm. World War II. Mm -hmm. His name is Victor Franco. Mm -hmm. And in the book is Men in the Search of a Meaning. I strongly recommend everybody yeah. to, to read that book because that book really was a life changer because we found that this guy was telling us that the, the only way that you could survive was uh, sticking to God yeah. and finding a purpose in life. Yeah. So, so when we heard that, from because that guy was like talking to us we began to really change the situation there yeah and the have decided to go to a real surviving mode and, and we we created like a plan you know we yeah, created yeah. A, daily, a daily plan how to survive on a daily basis yeah yeah so we, we did a plan to eat we did a plan yeah. to yeah. clean we did yeah a plan to read yeah. we did a plan to uh, wash we did a plan to pray we did a plan yeah, to, yeah. to read the bible so we did a complete plan and let me tell you my friend that that really began to put the days yeah. to go very fast yeah 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 because you you, you stop you stop sitting in the shock of i'm here and you start trying to figure out how you can not make it normal but get some you know what i'm saying because you know your family back home working so it's like it's like it's like you got to do something to keep your mental and your faith every Correct. day. That's exactly that, that 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 for us was a life changer. Yeah. Because we, we when we did that plan, we begin to have you know um yeah we, all the day yeah. we were doing things. We yeah. were like a hamster in a cage. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but but it worked for us. It yeah. worked. I yeah. can tell you, we did it one day at a time. Yeah. We did it one day, we did it one week, we did it one month, and came one year, came two mm -hmm. years. And at the end of the day, when we didn't expect it, we came back. So yeah. so after I came back, wow, I I went to a lot of improv. And I couldn't understand that the way we managed was really, we did it with a lot of common sense, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, because I, I was a guy with a, uh, training in the oil and gas, mm -hmm. you always are thinking strategy, this type yeah. of thing. So, so I, there was a, like a combination of both things, but it worked yeah. for us. It worked. We survived. Yeah. And we so, survived. when you when did you come back home? We came back ten months ago, October first. There was a prisoner swap. How was the evolution of the situation? Because at some point in 2019, that was created in an office called the. A special presidential office for hostage affairs. Yeah, that, that office is 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 uh, in report to the State Department. Okay, gotcha. and there is a, an ambassador. Yeah. his name is Roger Carter. Yeah, 
that he's the guy, by the way, every time somebody's released, like Brittany Griner or, yeah, yeah. or anybody, he's the guy that's always yeah. there. He's a very tall guy. Yeah. He's like six foot. But it's funny because in the photo of him with Brittany, he looks very tiny because Brittany is super tall. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but that guy, he began to visit us like uh, one year before. So he did four visits to Venezuela, and, and, and we were every three months talking with the guy. So by that point, we, we really were really confident that something was yeah. going on. Yeah. And, but of course, we didn't know when. Yeah. And October 1st, they woke up very early in the morning and said, dress up that you're gone. You and go. and they headed to, to a, an airport and we landed in a tiny island called San Vincent in the middle of, of nowhere in the Caribbean. Yeah. So in there, they did a prisoner swap and, 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 and wow. we landed here in San Antonio in Texas in the military yeah. base. Yeah. They 10 days and well, after that. How was that? How was that feeling for you when you finally got back to American soul? Oh, my friend, not, not only the feeling, seeing my family. Yeah. Can, can you imagine yeah. uh, uh, my my grandson born being in jail and the first person that I saw when I came back was my grandson yeah. running to me. Yeah. He was running to me because uh, yeah. my family always was showing photos of me. Yes, yes, so he yes, recognized yes. me. When, when I landed from the plane. Yeah, he I recognized you, but you had he never seen him. He, he recognized me. He said, wow. he, in his mind, he said, this is the guy of the photo. He began to run and say, Grandpa. Oh, so he recognized man. me. Wow. He recognized wow. me. Wow. Wow. And so yeah. through that, through all that experience, man, and I wish I had more to talk more about it because I got more questions, but... What is your purpose now? Well, okay, that's a very important uh, question because that, that's that's my thing today. Because when I came back, the first thing that, that I realized that our case was not unique. I thought it was unique, but yeah. I figured out it was not unique because this situation is happening to a lot of Americans around the world. Yeah. Our family today is part of a foundation that was created by the families. It's called the Bring Our Family Home Campaign, and I'm, yeah. I'm part of the campaign as a former hostess. I advocate hardly with them. So I begin to do um, a, a, a lot of uh, speaking yeah. in, in several scenarios. I went to the Congress. Yeah. I, went, I, I, I went to the Congress to talk about this. I have been invited in several scenarios uh, as a former hostess. And one of the things that I, I learned doing that, because I began to visit all the families, yeah. all the families of former and current hostages. Yeah. So, so I began to meet their father, their, their, their mother, their yeah. sister, sons. And that, it, so now we are like a big community. Yeah. I would say that this is like a the family that you're part of, but you never wanted to be. But at the end, it's your family. It's here, so yeah. today, I'm a strong advocate in, in that in, in that uh, community. Yeah. But I I I found that I could help people, so I created a coaching program. Today, I have a coaching program. It's called called the Life Pill for a Surviving Guide. It's a adversity and surviving uh, coaching program. By the way, my 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 name is Coaches a Survivor. It's mm -hmm. the name of a my company today yeah yeah and and i'm i'm trying to teach people educate people about how you can overcome adversities in life yeah. how can you manage it and how you can not only manage it how you can survive it yeah how you can see it how you can thrive how you can be successful yeah. so it's a kind of mindset so today yeah. i just i i i created a complete program yeah. to help people 
on that. Yeah, man, that's amazing. And so, how we want to make sure we put the links to your website and your in your socials. What, how can people connect with you? Okay, I have a link tree. I have accounting link. I have I'm all the social media, but I have been concentrating in LinkedIn because today I have a newsletter okay. that write every week where I talk about the two topics. My two things are advocating for the hostile community yeah. and educating the people about how overcome adversity. Because yeah. this is something that people sometimes get caught in the situation. Yeah. I, I always tell the people that this is matter of have of have the proper mindset. Yeah. You know, it's a choice. It's your choice. It's yeah. your decision. If yeah. you decide to go in the in the in the wrong direction or you decided to go in the right direction yeah. and, and overcome diversity. So that's why today I try to educate people. So I am speaking really uh, loudly in this topic. I'm doing uh, news letters. I'm mm. writing articles. I yeah. have been inviting several foundations. I'm writing articles about this. And I'm going to begin also to do it as a public speaking, but I have been speaking privately. Yeah, but I'm yeah. going to go the lunch to go to the public yeah. speaking. Because this is something that, that yes. you know, the human nature is only one. Yeah. Adversities can be you can you name it yeah but yeah it's the way you, how you handle diversity yeah it is is the way how you handle diversity yeah. and i tell the people if i can do it you can do it yeah it's matter of mindset yeah it's matter of mindset and so the last thing i want i want you to you know speak to our community um to you know this podcast is all about inspiring folks to live life on purpose what what motivation or inspiration would you share to that listener that that viewer today uh, to, to discover who they are. Okay, well, let me tell you two two lessons. First, I discover my spirituality. Yeah. I discover God. Yeah. I this because I was a guy a guy that I I, I, I have to confess yeah. that I, I was lost. I, I had lost my my path. Yeah. I discovered God through this situation. Yeah. In my book, I'm gonna narrate events that I happened to me in jail. Yeah. yeah. My friends are magical. Think that ha there was the yeah. presence of God all over, yeah. all over. So when that, when that began to happen, I discover His signs, and I I'm now I'm strong believer in God. That's the first thing. You yeah. have to stick to your spirituality, your your your, your inner, just name it, higher power, universe, whatever you want. But you have to stick to it. And the second thing is, you can overcome any adversity, yeah. any yeah. anyone. It's matter of have the proper mindset. Yeah. And I'm a guy that always was a positive guy. Today, I'm super positive. Yeah. If I was positive, today I'm super positive. I always are yeah. telling the people, my friend, you have to look. It's the matter how you look things. And stick to your loved ones. Yeah. Because when you are having an adversity, you have to stick to, to your you. loved ones. Yeah, The absolutely. people that love you. Absolutely. These are the people that are going to support you. Absolutely. Well, man, Mr. Jose, man, thank you so much for sharing your story. I wish we had more time, but, uh, man, thank you for, for, for fighting through. 
Uh, and uh, we know that you're going to continuously inspire the world with your story. I saw the work that you're doing and working with Congress and so many other initiatives. And, um, you know, we, we're happy you're here and we're happy that you came on this platform. And we look forward to great things for you. And, and our listeners and viewers do know, again, the links to all of Mr. Jose's work will be right, will be included right in the description of this episode because we wanted to get you connected. Thank you again, Mr. Jose, for your time. And, and let me tell you one last thing. We unveiled a mural with the faces of the 15 guys that still are there yeah. and in July 4 here in Houston. Yeah. You're very near. Yeah. So I invite your audience that, that is here in Texas yeah. that if, if ever they come to Houston, go to the Westheimer Road, you will see the mural. I, I'm going to maybe send you a photo that yeah. you can put it yeah, there. Do that, do that. That, that mural we inaugurated in July 4 because it was the Freedom Day. Yeah. And this guy doesn't have freedom. Yeah. So it's like a paradox, yeah. you know? But, yeah. but we're working hard. We're working yeah. hard because uh, this is a matter of uh, raised awareness to the people yeah. about this situation that unfortunately is happening to many yeah. Americans. Yeah, yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, and we're going to stay connected. Thank you guys for uh, watching and listening to the Solomon Podcast.